This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Now, there are some rules in the, the NFL process when you're talking about cuts and when you're talking about injuries, and, and certainly that might be able to give the Broncos a little bit of help when you're talking about the defensive side with the cornerbacks we've gone over because uh, you are uh, allowed to place some players on the designated to return list. They must miss oh, yes. a minimum of three weeks. Right. And uh, that may help with K1 Williams. It may help with uh, Riley Moss. Baron Browning is already on it. Yeah. Uh, but because Browning is already on it and was not taken off, Browning actually has to, he, he's not exempt from the 53. So it's a little Byzantine when you're talking about the way these rules all shake down. But but it does, I think, impact. But it, I, I think the point that you brought up, Sandy, is really important. Very few of these projections that we went over were difficult. Very few. And this wasn't even necessarily, oh, boy, you know, Traymond Smith or, you know, Jaquan McMillan or Fabian Ro- I, I, pro- I, I apologize, by the way. I called him Trayvon earlier. We, Trayvon. Yeah, we have a... Trayvon. That's that's just looking at the very tail end of the the roster, and it wasn't like, oh no, where's yeah. the room for Traymond Smith? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I I think that's probably the concern, and it's interesting because I think you and I see this probably a little different, but I am more bullish on a couple things. I believe that the Broncos' receiver depth, based on the offense they'll run is probably enough to get them through until Jerry Judy returns. I think it's probably enough. I think you can mix and match uh, with with Humphrey and probably with Callaway, who is really underwhelmed, but we know he's been better. Uh, I think with youngsters like Johnson and, and Mims, I think there are windows. I think Mims looked pretty good, too. I know we're talking about against the competition. I don't put a lot of stock in, in the game on Saturday. But I am... Slightly more bullish. I, I always look at it and think, and I think uh, you and I have both had them at eight and nine, right? That we both thought they'd finish. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of leaning more towards seven and ten. I, I I just didn't think much good came out of this camp, to be honest. Uh, and the injuries are a major factor in that, and that's the, the the coach can't specifically do much about the injuries. But I I do think certainly going into camp, we're led to believe that. Uh, the injury rate would be dramatically reduced from what it's been, not just last year, but in recent years. You have Lauren three players Landau's lost staff. for the season already. And, 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 and you've had all these injuries. And uh, uh, K1 Williams is the latest. He's going to miss half the season at yeah. least. This guy's on the second year of a very, very inexpensive deal. Uh, I, I just don't know. And I think Bassey's emerged. He's a guy who should play. And I, I think even a healthy Williams – might have had trouble beating out Bassey. Bassey's not a rookie. He's been around. And and again, the, the, I I didn't complete my thought earlier, but uh, the, the, the idea the Broncos are this young team is at least overstated. I don't think they have a lot of versatility. Uh, no deep threat at all. And, I, I didn't disagree the other night when they were saying, well, Mims is going to be their deep threat now. By process of elimination, that's probably right. May have to be. And he, he he's a late second-round pick who, who a lot of people thought could have been around in the third round. 
uh, I, I I just don't 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 see him uh, emerging, especially with Wilson and Judy's rapport. Wilson and Mims haven't had a lot of work together, so I. And, and and the other thing is, of course, star power, and we'll get, get into that more later in the week. If you're looking, as ESPN did, at the top 100 players in the NFL, the Broncos have two guys. We've talked about this forever. One is Sertan, and the other is Simmons. That's it. That's it. They don't, they don't have a player other than those two who's remotely close to being one of the top 100 players in this league. I think... Simmons is graded a little low for me, but part of it's the position. I think Quinn Miners is probably their best offensive lineman right now, but he's a guard. Right. You'd prefer your best offense, to be honest, you'd prefer your best offensive lineman to be a tackle. Certainly your best pass protector to be a tackle, not a guard, not a center, a tackle. Right. And so it's, it's still that there are a lot of square pegs going into round holes and Peyton can't be expected to fix all of that uh, in one season. So I, I'm kind of leaning more towards 7 and 10, but uh, 8 and 9 wouldn't shock me, and no one thinks 8 and 9 will get them in the playoffs. No. At least not in the American Football Conference. It won't. And I still look at, and I think when we do this, I think you and I probably do the same thing. You know, when people ask, you know, well, what, what do you think their record will be? Well, I try to do the little bell curve, right? And it's not always created equal. So if you were to ask me, I have them at eight and nine, and could they go nine and eight or seven and ten? I'm like they're a lot more likely to go seven and ten than they are nine and eight in my mind. And when people go, well, geez, would they go? Would they really go six and eleven, or would they go? Uh, you know, would they win? Would they go ten? To me, and the seven? range is seven to nine wins. That's I it. agree, and, I, and I don't that's think 10 and I think wins. nine is the absolute peak. Yeah. And I don't see six. And I think that's where you're looking. Injuries obviously play a role in that. The ability to gel plays a role in that. It, it is kind of a, uh, it, it's going to be an intriguing next couple days or so because the, the Broncos do have some players that they like. That I think, by and large, will will make it through to the practice squad. Very rarely oh, do yeah. you see significant guys get poached anymore. It doesn't happen. So, I mean, I, I think they like, if you were to ask me before Saturday's game, who the tight ends would have been? I'd said they keep four: Troutman, Dulcich, Manhurts, and Nate Adkins. After the game, I think well, Adkins is now taking for the practice squad. Adkins got penalized mm-hmm. early in a game, and Albert O looked, uh, looked great, good. looked as good as he's ever looked. Yeah. And so I think that that changes that. And I know it's against there. the second or third. That that's what Adkins was too. Start of the show. <laughs> yeah. Albert O becomes a trade possibility right. now. I think so. If people looked at that and say. Maybe under the right system, we could just coach this him guy. Up doesn't and, yeah. start, but he looks like a guy. But we know he's got speed. He's a four four nine. Oh yeah, and, and flash at least the, he flash was coming out of the uh, big bear paw hands. And, and he's got the big hands. Um, I, I I remember him uh, dropping one or two passes, but he's not really a a guy who drops a lot. Not that he's targeted that much, but. And I know his route tree yeah. is limited. But, right, but I, drops, I get all drops that. haven't been the problem. But, but no. you know, he's 250 pounds and he runs 4.49. So Somebody's I, I would think somebody would, would take a shot at him and might even be willing to give up a fifth or a sixth. Now, if the Broncos are saying, we'll, we'll take nothing less than a fourth, I I mean, it gets us back to this Trey Lance deal just, just for a second. I look on that deal. 
on the surface of it. And you know how they say in sports, this is a trade that was good for both teams? Right. This looks like a trade that was bad for both teams to me on the surface, right? But um, then I, I look at it from the 49ers point of view, and it sounds strange to say about a guy who went third overall just a, a few short years ago, but they're probably not going to get a fourth or weren't going to get a fourth from any other team except Dallas. I don't think so. Who, for some reason, gave up a four-rounder in exchange for Trey Lance when they probably could have gotten him for a fifth. The yeah, I, I think they just wanted to jump the line. But um, you know, D- Dallas with the Trey Lance thing. Who knows? All I'm hearing out of Dallas is Cooper Rush is absolutely the backup to Prescott. So Lance goes from being the number three quarterback, being the number three, quarterback, maybe yeah. the number three and a half actually in San Francisco. Yeah. So maybe his lot did improve. To becoming the unquestioned number three in Dallas. The Cowboys He's not playing play. before Cooper. Rush. You know when you, you're walking through the store, right? And there's this thing that you're sort of curious about, and maybe you kind of like you kind of liked it, and today it's like ninety percent off, and you just decide, eh, that's basically what the Cowboys did. Oh, yeah, uh, I'd say ninety-five yeah. percent to ninety-nine percent right. so they, off. They're like, we don't really need it, but it's kind of interesting. We sort of wanted it once, and it's on a big sale. We'll just grab it. And that's that's basically yeah. what what the Cowboys well, did, and maybe yeah, it'll work I think, out. You know, I don't think he's a, a guy. Bad he's move. a talent. Um, I don't think it was I, a bad I just move. don't. I, I it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, they're not moving for at least two years. They're not moving on from Dak Prescott. If he's a free agent at the end of this year, I could see it, but it's two years away. And Cooper Rush has been a perfectly capable ba- backup. And I think if Prescott gets hurt, it isn't Lance who's going to play. Heck. He he got in there on August 26th. He doesn't know the offense. No, not at all. No. Rush does. Yeah. Rush knows it inside out. And he's been good. Prescott knows it when inside out. When they needed him, he's been good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's where that stands for him. And so, the, the, But you're bringing up there, I think, the point that's interesting for people when you talk about, but maybe you can get this guy off this team. There's a reason there's not as much movement at this window this week as you might think. You know, where, exactly. where where you look at it and say, oh, well, all these guys got cut. I'm going to switch out these bottom five yeah, guys right, on my right. team for these other right. guys all over the league that I kind of like. Honestly, it's just not going to happen right away. It, it, and, that and that uh, we can be The truth certain. of the matter is a lot of those guys around the league, the, the coaches and their staffs look at it and think these guys are more or less interchangeable. And if they're not demonstrably, substantially better, I'd rather just go with the guys I've been coaching. Yes, they've been in your camp. Right. So that that's why it, people are thinking uh, here and there. Yeah, right? What if this guy gets cut? You should grab him. Well, yeah, right. you, you know, you, you grab all but these guys. Coaching and I'm saying they, they haven't spent a day here, and, and so and and you're putting them on a practice squad in place of a guy who's been here for, for in some cases, the entire off season and full training camp hasn't gotten hurt. The, 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 and, the and other players has to be demonstrably better. You have value. Yeah, boy, that's true. But yeah, you have to be so much better, and that's the trick. I don't think people quite get that is it's just not as easy to switch around. And that's where I think at the beginning of the show, you know, I pointed out that I, the change from years ago where there were multiple cut downs, I think that kind of hurt players because sometimes when you were cut and in the early cuts, sometimes it meant, look, we, it was obvious that we couldn't use you at all. And sometimes you saw the players that uh, maybe a, a team sort of liked or respected and thought, well, there's no room on for you on this team, but we like you. We appreciate the work you've done. We're going to put you in these first cut downs so teams have an opportunity because now in these first cut downs, you're like, okay, we can bring a guy in because we like his talent, we like his ability. We could call the other team and say, hey, you know, what did you think? They said, we like him. We just didn't have the space. 
And now you have the next few weeks of training camp and preseason to get integrated into the team's offensive defense. And there was an opportunity for some of these guys to catch on. I think with this big lump sum of cuts, it makes it harder for players to catch on because now we're talking about you have to immediately hop onto a roster and get ready for the regular season. So I think that does the players a little bit of a disservice, but that's what the reality is at this point. It just minimizes the amount of turnover, though. You're probably likely seeing a whole bunch of guys get cut and 99% of them either doing something else with their lives or trying to catch yeah. on in the CFL or right. the XFL or the USFL or arena football. Which anywhere. Back. Anywhere you can still play football and you can play and football. maybe bounce back. And and by the way, um, it, the time has come to say this once again. I, I'm glad that the Broncos, at least during the training camp period exclusive of the training camp period not not so much before and who knows what's going to be said over the next two weeks before they play their first game but within the confines of training camp it's not about what you say it's about what you do it's about playing football let's stop talking about football the broncos a year ago were really, really yappy uh, throughout the preseason talking about football and not playing a lot of football, not practicing very hard. Um, Again, I didn't think it was a major deficiency uh, amid the long list of Nathaniel Hackett deficiencies, not playing starters in preseason games was among the least of his offenses, if not the least. Probably Uh, the least, yeah. I'm glad. Last year was all about what you say, not about what you did. And it was all about talking about what you were going to do playing football instead of playing football. And that's what provoked, I think, the Sean Payton comment about Russell Wilson. Man, stop kissing all the babies. You're not running for office. Let's just play. And let your play do the talking. And I, I listen, I'm not saying guys should never uh, speak uh, certainly welcome candor, but with Wilson, all it was 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 sugarcoating, uh, severe denial, a whole lot of gaslighting. I mean, he was a psychologist delight last year. Uh, it, you know, talking about the, the 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 knee bends he was doing on airplane flights to London and 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 all of that. That's disappeared at least over the last mm-hmm. three weeks. Yes, it has. And I, I I do find that refreshing. And some of the team leaders who in the past have felt obligated to speak with almost unbridled enthusiasm about the Broncos' prospects, we're not hearing as much of that. They aren't as yappy this year as they've been uh, in the past. And I, I think that's a good thing because, again, they're not young. They're not particularly versatile as a group. There's there's hardly any star power, uh, particularly by comparison to the other three teams in the division that that have several uh, stars, legitimate stars. I mean, you, you've got uh, Adams and Crosby and Jacobs now that he's back right. with the Raiders. And Jacobs, by the way, will play, and I suspect oh, yeah. play a lot. Uh, in it, 13 days. It's the same, it's the same offense 
he which, he, which he led anything. the league in rushing last right. year, and he he's hasn't gotten running, beaten up. He's ready he's to a, go. He's a running back who hasn't gotten beaten up in training camp. He didn't need training camp. Uh, the Chargers have Herbert and James and Slater and Eckler, and the Chiefs, of course, have Mahomes and Kelsey and uh, Humphrey and Tooney, and they hope eventually Chris Jones. They hope. But uh, – if Chris Jones is back within the first month, the Broncos will have to face him. And it doesn't matter to the Broncos if he sits out for the first month. No. If he's ready to go after a month. No. That's when not the Broncos a, Not a lot of uh, play calling necessity either. A guy's totally familiar with the yeah. defense. And by the way, that it's pretty much right. just go wreak havoc, which he's very, that's very that's good right. at. Go, go see that quarterback. Yeah. You know, go get him. And go he's very way. good at wreaking havoc. He's very good at lining up in different spots. Uh, and it, it, he knows exactly what he's doing. Listen, uh, th- these things get resolved. I, I mean, I was beginning to think late last week, boy, it, I think Jacobs will be back, but I'm not sure he'll make the opener. And sure enough, a day after I'm thinking that, boom, there he is. Just and the guy the Broncos didn't want to plenty of time see. to get ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. Uh... Even if they played this Sunday, I think he'd play. Some. I think he'd get 10 to 15 It's not Raiders week. It's Raiders two weeks. Right. Definitely. It is football season. A very interesting new sports uh, betting app is arriving in Colorado soon. And it's totally unlike the other ones on the market. Earlier this week, I had an opportunity to talk with the CEO of Novig, Jacob Fertinsky. We'll play that for you next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. If you've been so fortunate as to grab one of Mile High Sports football issues out uh, all over town, uh, they're free. You can find them everywhere. So go check them out. Pat Sutan on the cover, but also on that cover, both the front and back. But the sponsor for the magazine, Novig, is a very intriguing company. Colorado is the first market in which this rather uh, high-tech, unique sports betting company is going to make its debut. And so we had an opportunity to speak with Jacob Portinsky, the CEO, a fascinating story. He and his uh, his co-founder, both Ivy League guys, came from uh, tech and, and Wall Street. You'll hear about it. But wanted to give you an opportunity to, to hear about that and how to stay on top of it. So uh, from late last week, this would be Jacob Portinsky of Novik. Welcome back to Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined by our next guest, Jacob Fortinsky, the CEO of Novig. Novig, by the way, is the first peer-to-peer sports betting app, and it will be coming to Colorado soon. So, Jacob, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Sean. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. The idea behind peer-to-peer sports betting, I think a lot of people are at this point maybe familiar with the way traditional sports betting apps work, but of course, uh, they end up taking a cut, or as you know, you used to say in the business, the VIG, and of course, no VIG, things are different. So what makes it different than the traditional sports books? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So no VIG is the first commission-free peer-to-peer sports betting app. So let's say you and a buddy each want to bet $100 on, say, the Rockies versus the Red Sox. On Novig, winner gets $200. We don't take a cut from that. On all other apps, whether it's an exchange or a traditional sports book, 
the the house takes roughly an eight to ten percent cut. So you end up only winning about $180. So even if you win 50% of the time, in the long run, you're actually losing money. But on Novig, uh, the the break-even point is 50%. So you have a realistic chance of making money. And we cut out the middleman, which is the sports book. Obviously, people are familiar with the way that most betting apps work, and they certainly take a percentage of it. In this case, uh, Novig is actually finding partners. So it's kind of like betting with your friends instead of betting against the house. Yeah, that's really where the idea came about. My friends and I grew frustrated uh, by the idea of betting against this exploitative sports book. And even though we were winning 50% of the time, we were still losing money in the long run. So we ended up just creating a network of our friends, betting against one another, uh, paying out directly. And sort of where the idea came about was, why isn't there a platform where individuals can name their own price, bet directly against others, whether that's their friends or strangers on a two-sided marketplace, the same way you trade stocks or use eBay, and that's that's how the idea came about. And, you know, that's why we're building the first peer to peer sports betting network. We saw that it didn't really exist. So my my friend Kalechi and I set out to build it ourselves. So uh, obviously, when you're looking at, at for the average better sort of getting, uh, you know, that even and removing the, the fig, if you will, from the equation, uh, how, how does, of course, the company make money, you know, to make sure that, that you're going ahead and, and being able to handle things and, and profit and make sure that it remains uh, viable for betters to continue to use and thrive? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, basically for 99% of users, we'll never charge you. For those that are the highest volume and highest frequency bettors, we will have a fee structure. So unless you're betting in the hundreds of thousands, um, we'll we'll basically never charge you a cent. So we'll charge a percentage of lifetime profits over $10,000 on the platform. But that means for casual bettors, you won't be charged a cent. And we're shifting away from the business model of charging everyone indiscriminately to just charging the top one or 2% of winners. So, you know, basically the idea is that we make money to the extent our users make money. So our incentives are aligned rather than making money to the extent that our users lose money, which is, I think, what sets up a lot of the uh, sort of shady practices of some of the sports books where they're trying to, you know, pump certain bets that they know will be unprofitable for their bettors. Um, We also have a team of researchers and traders and monetize proprietary models and uh, trading strategies and uh, sell those to institutions that are professional sports bettors and and different types of hedge funds. And the idea is shifting away, sort of like a Robin Hood style business model, where we shift away from charging everyone indiscriminately and rather charge the, those that are getting the most value out of our platform. It works for me. I mean, I think if I was in your top one or 2%, uh, I'm happy to cut uh, cut everyone in. That works for me. So I think that's something everyone can get behind. I mean, you, you've talked about the idea behind uh, stocks and the methodology behind that too, because there there are some overlaps and some similarities. So uh, how, how, are you, how do you build that exchange? And what sort of culture are you trying to bring to sports betting that you don't think we're seeing today? Yeah, I think we're really trying to take an outsider approach to this industry. You know, my my co-founder and I both come from the world uh, of, of Wall Street and Silicon Valley. I think we're trying to, both in terms of who we hire and the approach we take in terms of building a user experience, really have a an incredibly high standard for the product quality and customer support and every aspect of the app. So we're really borrowing instead of you know just copying all of the you know existing sports books. We're really trying to think from the ground up of how do we build the best betting experience for our users. And, you know, our team consists of software engineers from Microsoft, Meta, Google, Jane Street, et cetera. And, you know, the idea is 
we're really trying to establish, you know, the 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 platform with the highest integrity, the most profitable betting experience, the most social, the most fun, the most dynamic betting experience. And that's something that we think is really lacking in the industry today. You know, I, I like to say there, there's very little product differentiation in sports betting. It, it's sort of like, you know, deciding which app to use. It, it's sort of like deciding which casino you're going to play blackjack in when you go to Vegas for the weekend. You know, there's the same odds, the same game wherever you go. None of them are offering you any intrinsic value and your decision might come down to convenience or some promo or brand loyalty. But what we're, what we're trying to do is really change the fundamental rules of the game, offering our users intrinsic value, allow them to actually set their own lines and bet directly against one another without an intermediary uh, taking a cut. I think that's really will revolutionize the fundamental way that people bet on sports. Uh, you ran a beta test recently from the software side, obviously, and that the, the customer experience is going to be part of that as well. But I think it's interesting. You're launching in Colorado first and Colorado, of course, over the last uh, few years and a lot of different uh, places have, and fields have, has been uh, open to experimenting with businesses and experimenting with business models. But why choose Colorado first for this particular type of business? Yeah, I think it, it's exactly like you like you said. I think Colorado is a very business friendly state. Both the people and the regulators, I think, are very open to innovation. And what we're trying to do is really disrupting what we view to be an inefficient and outdated industry, just as Uber did to rideshare or Airbnb did to hospitality. Trying to introduce the idea of a two sided marketplace, and uh, we think that the culture of, of sports betting and innovation within Colorado. Um, you know, will will deeply resonate with our app. And also sort of as an aside, I came up with the idea actually while I was in Colorado uh, with friends and it sort of felt fitting that that was the first market we started with. Well, obviously it's been a good start. I mean, uh, seed money raised uh, just just uh, last week mentioned specifically from uh, Y Combinator, Lux Capital, 6.4 million and more. Uh, also working with NFL legend Joe Montana on this, you know, that kind of connection uh, to people of significance of that, obviously that the money helps, but but the visibility when you're connected to people in that business helps as well, right? Yeah, it certainly helps. You know, I think that it's exciting to have so many prominent investors and celebrities like Joe Montana uh, backing us. I think they see the vision, they see what we're really trying to build, uh, pave a new way for, for this industry and create really the future of sports betting where instead of one or 2% of sports bettors being profitable, that being much closer to 50%, where people have a realistic chance of, of making money. And if you are a part of, you know, right now as it exists, if you are a profitable sports better, you'll get limited. You can be banned from sports books. You can be refused payouts. So there, I think there are lots of things about this industry that uh, really can be redesigned and revamped in a way that is really puts the user first rather than the sports book. And, uh, you know, it's great to have people like Joe Montana, Paul Graham, who's, you know, considered the, the, the father of Silicon Valley, is uh, an investor and uh, an advisor of ours. And, you know, it really helps. I think they've seen different companies adopt a similar type of strategy at uh, disrupting and revolutionizing uh, other industries, like I mentioned. And, you know, to have their perspective on how to do that in uh, for sports betting, I think, is invaluable. And you mentioned the idea of, you know, the, the experience is, is different because I think you correctly pointed out when you're walking around, whether it's a Vegas or Blackhawk in Colorado and you're going from casino to casino, there is a lot of, of sameness. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the way it's decorated or, or whatever, but by and large, it's it's the same. Uh, what can users expect from Novi, given that this is kind of a very different approach towards sports betting? Yeah, so I think we're trying to do two things that are sort of at odds a little. The first is 
really revolutionize the way that people bet on sports. So you come onto our platform, you can see the best prices that are available, um, which will you know generally be much better than our competitors. But if you don't like those prices, you actually have the ability to offer your own price. So it's sort of like the way you 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 uh, use eBay. You know, you might mm -hmm. want to be buying something. You see that you can buy it at this price, sell it at this price. You can transact instant. In, you can transact instantly at one of those prices. Or if you don't like those prices, you can name your own price. So we allow users to do a similar thing on Novig, but also we're trying to provide uh, an experience that is deeply familiar to existing sports bettors. So you don't have to learn a whole new way of betting. So our primary interface will look remarkably like what you're used to, except we'll have better prices and also the ability to name your own price. Um, so that's our core offering. We're starting with NFL, MLB, NBA, uh, then going to expand beyond into college sports and tennis and golf and um, boxing and MMA and, you know, everything else that our users want. But, you know, what we're, our core idea is that you're no longer betting against the house, the, the power is back in, in your control and uh, it's your experience. That, that's an interesting part of it. And I think it will develop what you're talking about there a little bit of its own sort of, uh, you talked about eBay, uh, its own sort of world, its structure, uh, prices will sort of exist in and of itself. So it sort of creates its own uh, sustaining, sustainable model of economics that is sort of of its own little world, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that the approach we're taking, it's not just better for betters because it's more profitable, but it's also more social. There's a, a network aspect of it as well. So, you know, you're you're all invited to join our Discord where people are constantly, you know, talking shop about different lines and sports betting propositions. And, you know, it's really as simple as saying, I want to bet $100 on the Rockies to win tonight. Who's willing to, to offer me the most in return for that? So instead of just taking a price from one sports book, you have true public price discovery where people can actually bid to take the other side of that action. And as a result, yeah, you have this little um, micro economy actually form within our network. And the more people that use our platform, like with any sort of network, the, the, the better the odds become, the more robust the ecosystem becomes and the more, uh, the better experience it becomes for everyone involved. Obviously, when you're creating a new app with a, a new idea behind it, there's a particular audience that you think is not being served correctly. What is the target audience then that Novik is looking to take care of? Yeah, I think we're really trying to appeal to every type of better. You know, I think what we're saying is whether you're losing thousands or making tens of thousands of dollars betting on sports, we're putting one to 3% back in your pocket per bet. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand why that's better for you. And, you know, if you're if you're making tens of thousands of dollars and you're getting limited by sports books for being too profitable, we'll never limit you. We'll never lock you out. Or if you're new to sports betting, we're providing the first commission free betting platform. And we'll say that you will have the most social, the most dynamic, the most fair and the most profitable betting experience. How can they continue to learn more about it? And as, as things get closer to launch, how else can people uh, basically keep their finger on the pulse as this gets closer and closer to reality? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is sign up for uh, early access at novig.us slash early access. That's N-O-V-I-G dot U-S uh, slash early access. And anyone who signs up prior to our launch in October will get $250 in bonus funds. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter at novig underscore app, N-O-V-I-G underscore A-P-P. And uh, yeah, we, we post a lot of information on how to join our community and uh, when we'll be launching in Colorado and uh, future states next year. 
Keep an eye out in the newest Mile High Sports magazine and an interview uh, with Jacob and his partner of how all of this Nova came together and what's next. So looking forward to being able to, to talk about this more. Like we said, check out latest Mile High Sports magazine, or you can check out the website. We'll make sure we have all those links for you as well. Jacob Fortinsky, CEO of Novig. Uh, thanks so much. When are you coming to Colorado? When, when the baby's born? Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Sean. I'm actually going to be there in September. I'm doing some hiking at uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and then I'll be out for football season. So excited to uh, to spend some more time in the great state of Colorado. And that is upon us, of course, almost as we speak. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jacob Fortisky, the CEO of Novig, hopefully not the last time we get to talk. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Sean. So keep an eye out for that, our interview with uh, Jacob Fortinsky, the CEO of Novig. Of course, you can read more about it as well in the latest Mile High Sports magazine, a big uh, detailed article with uh, Jacob and his partner. Pretty fascinating approach. And uh, like like you discussed there, the idea would be, unless you're making a ton of money, they're not going to charge you. And of course, I, like I said with him, uh, fine if I'm making tens of thousands, hundred thousands, yeah, you can have a percent. I'm cool with that. Everybody rides. It's fine by me. So give it a give it a look and make sure you check out all the rest of it uh, right in the Miley Sports magazine. Uh, Pat Sertan on the cover. Lots of great coverage in that football magazine and that interview as well. So thanks for uh, a very busy CEO, as you can imagine, trying to get this all launched and off the ground uh, in Colorado in uh, a short amount of time. So nice to take a little bit of time and, and spend it with us as well. If you are confused... With all the way the rules work in the NFL over the next 48 hours, you're not entirely alone. I'll have an opportunity to explain it all to you. So uh, tomorrow when the cuts roll in, you sound like the smartest person over at the water cooler, if they had water coolers anymore, which they don't. But you get the point. Next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Here's your primer for how this is all going to go, by the way. I mean, you're going to hear players were cut and players were released and, or, you know, waived or released. Cut, it sort of encompasses both, Well, right? it's it's different. They Depending are different. on this four-year right. barrier, you're technically being waived mm-hmm. less than four years of accredited National Football League service, and uh, you are terminated as a vested veteran if you have four or more years. So basically, if you've had and you four can more sign years, with anyone at that yeah, point. if you have four more years, they say released because there's they no do. attachment. You can sign right. with anybody immediately. Yep. You have less than four year waived, which means that you have to go through the waiver wire process, which you probably understand. That's how that works. It's inverse order of how you finish. Uh, last year, and everyone so, can claim I that. I think it would be Chicago who had, would have first claim on for last on, on waived players on last year's standings. Yeah, on uh, last year's, I think Chicago had the worst record. Right, that sounds right. I, I was so looking at this year. I don't even remember who had last year's worst record, but yeah, the the, the uh, it ends up being a situation where yeah, you'll have an opportunity to look at that. It was Chicago? You're correct. Uh, then Arizona, then Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis. And then the Rams, and then right. the Broncos. So it would right. be a sixth for the Broncos. But by the way, as bad as the Broncos were, very rarely only the sixth worst yeah. record. And very rarely does that actually occur. You're not really seeing very many people picked up on waivers. But no. it means that you have to wait essentially. So the uh, 
the the waiver wire, by the way, as the regular the season goes on, always changes. It updates every week based on standings. But right. the cuts tomorrow happen at two. And then what happens is players that are currently on the pup list or the NFI, the non-football injury list, you have to activate them or put them on the reserve. You have to make a choice. If you activate them, they're on the 53 immediately. If you move them to reserve, they have to miss the first four games, right. but don't count against the 53. So, uh, in other words, that's where the Broncos could look at someone like K1 Williams is expected to miss eight or at least an eight-week recovery. So, you would do that. You may even look at a Riley Moss who the thought process was he might miss as many as four. You'll have to take a look at that. And that will give you another opportunity to maybe uh, you don't you don't have to you know keep that player to the 53. That part is another thing, and I would expect that to happen with Kwan Williams tomorrow. So that means that the Broncos have a little more flexibility when it comes to that cornerback spot. The very next day on Wednesday, that's when the waiver claims happened, right? So everyone claims when they get cut, you have until then. Then on noon, on noon Eastern, it's all league time is Eastern, so 10 in the morning in Denver time, the waiver claims are run in that inverse order and you get assigned players. Later that afternoon, 2 p.m. Denver time, then you can place a player on injured list and have them return. They, they can right. they have to be on the, uh, we talked about the 53, but it means now that you can create a, the roster spot a day later. So now you can do that. They have to be on the 53, but then you could put designate them on the return. Sure. And then you can bring either players back maybe and go that route. As far as the practice squad works, then you start filling the practice squad at the same time. So the Wednesday at the waiver wires happen after waiver wires claimed. Now you can do everything. Now you can still oddly, uh, you can still tell them when players are waived or cut, you could tell them flat out, we want you back on the practice squad. Right. You just can't oh, technically sure. sign them. Uh, 16-man practice squad. Here's the yep. interesting part. Now, remember, we can put some veterans now. There are six players on the practice squad that can have an unlimited amount of experience. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. Any any amount. That's how Josh Johnson ends up on yeah. practice squads now. Now, you have to have the, the majority of what we used to think of the practice squads, two or fewer seasons. That's 10 are maximum. And if you had uh, players that were active fewer than nine games in a season, that can just be everybody you want. So, in other words, you category there. So, in other words, if the players in the first two, right, two or fewer, uh, it can't exceed 10. So, presumably, you'll basically see 10 players on virtually every practice squad with two or few, 10 10 of the traditional practice squads. And that's what the practice squad used to be was 10, man, at one point. Now, you've just added six spots where that can just be veterans, period. There's one also part of that equation. I don't think it's the Broncos catch. I think the Lions are the only team using it. But the International Pathways Program, the player there coming from an international spot, uh, the Lions have an offensive lineman from Germany, Max Percher. That person does not count against your 16 practice squad, but cannot be eligible to be on the 53 at all, all year long, unless you want to put them on the regular practice squad. So that's complicated. Suspended players... Uh, you don't have to be on the final 53, but you can. But he's suspended for a full year. Right. Up until July 24th, 2024. Correct. But uh, So the move to the suspended list can get you down to, to 53. But presumably, everybody who's suspended already, well, they'll, they'll be part of it. But it is a different system uh, for how this all works out. So there you go. Compl- the complicated way it happens. But I... In this case, for the Broncos, Sandy, a team that does not have a lot of depth, as we've talked about. Yes. This is where I think it's advantageous for them because they could take, you can take a guy who's played in the league over a while, like a Dwayne Washington, a running back, 
you're going three halfbacks, and you're like, all right, well, you can just stash Dwayne Washington in case somebody right. else gets hurt, or or you decide, sure. you know, whatever. Okay. He's, uh, he's been, and that's why they, they'll have been several the offensive Great. linemen on the practice squad. And, and many of them won't necessarily be the young guys. That's where I could see the Broncos yeah. maybe look at some veterans and say, hey, you know, you, you might want to sign with us because take a look at our offensive line where it's not super <laughs> impressive, and you might have a better window to play time here than in other places. And especially at right tackle, even the seemingly durable get injured. It, it just seems that way. McGlinchey. If you're in your car and there's the wood be- grain, his, like you hit knock on it anyway. His, Come on, Sandy. But his best quality is durability. And to be fair, hurt in the preseason. But now he, would he not should have, be ready. He would not that. have missed a game from the well, Broncos' rec- reckoning that had that matter. That, that's, it, that's easy to say in the preseason. It is. He is expected to be And he ready will be fine for the opener. But for the Broncos, the injuries specifically to the guys who will be returning, presumably, who would have all made the team, Jerry Judy, Kwan Williams, Baron Browning, Riley Moss, that's where things get tricky, is trying to figure out how to navigate all of that tomorrow. But uh, the Albert Okawebenom situation will be interesting. I agree yes, with you. Very interesting. I think the Broncos are actively shopping him and would like to get a buyer. Yep. And whether they do or they do not, I don't know. I, I could see a scenario in which they keep him. I could see a scenario where they trade him. I could see a scenario where they decided, hey, we really didn't have you as making this roster at any point and nothing's really changed. Uh, hopefully you put some good stuff on tape for everybody and best of luck. I, I could see that happening. I could I, see a player think, like Mike Purcell, who I think we're yeah. all we're looking at as a lock, not necessarily not, being a not lock. Not necessarily. Uh, it was interesting today, and we'll get into this more later in the week. ESPN does its top 100 players right after the preseason ends and, and before the regular season starts, obviously. And the, the three tight ends on the list in the top 50 are Kelsey, yeah. Kittle, and Mark Andrews. Obviously. And I think that's it. So There's the, a big gap after those three guys. Of, oh, sure. <laughs> but but my, my point is... And it's probably Darren Waller. And, and I've been guilty of this, too. You kind of scoff at Albert O., because he isn't a blocker. Well, he has shown, I think, <laughs> by necessity, he's had to show that he's at least willing improved to try willingness. to block. Right. Right. So there's an improved willingness to block. But, you know, when you're talking about impact, game-breaking tight ends, there are only three. Three. I and, agree. And, and, I, I I don't know. Andrews is very good. I don't know that he's a I don't a think game he's breaker. a game breaker either. Kittle's a game breaker and Kelsey's a yep. game breaker. I don't know that Andrews is quite a game breaker. And those are the three. And after that, uh, you know, um, Hendrickson uh, didn't make, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, not Hendrickson, uh, the the other tight end from Iowa. Oh, Noah Fan. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he could have made the top 100 because he blocks and he's a good pass catcher. He didn't make the top 100. The the two offensive positions that are diminishing seemingly are running back and tight end. And there another, just aren't that many that are indispensable. I'm going to allow us to sprain our shoulders, uh, patting ourselves on the back a little bit because back prior in the spring of 2020, there was a, uh, a particular player that you and I thought wasn't getting nearly the credit he deserves happens to play quarterback and highly suggested that the Denver Broncos select him in the second round. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, he plays for the Eagles. Did he end up on that list somewhere? Um, I can't remember. He, 
I imagine he's on there somewhere, right? He came in on that list behind Patrick Mahomes, no, that's fair. Justin Jefferson, yeah. and um, absolutely no one else. Mm. He was number three mm. on the list of top 100 football players in the NFL. Now, impact has something to do with this, but here was a guy who, in some of the quarterback rankings we saw, we didn't make the top five. He's put number three on this list, and they do consult with NFL people, personnel, evaluators, GMs, executives, the like. He came in third ahead of Joe Burrow. Now, i got to be honest, I wouldn't and do that. And Jamar but... Chase. Yeah, but, you're but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Burrow either, and I'm a big fan, but to not have him among the top five quarterbacks in the NFL – Given what he's done, I think that's a that's a major mistake. I take him on my team. Yep. Any any time. Now, would I take Mahomes over him? Yeah. And I'd take Burrow I, over I, him I'd too. Probably but. take Burrow over him, but after that, nah, no. he's in there with anybody, nope. including Rodgers, including Justin Herbert. And I love Justin Herbert. And Herbert's gonna have a big year playing for Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. As opposed to Joe, and I think Lombardi. he's better than Josh Allen too, as well. So I, you know, I think I take Hertz over Allen right now. Me too. He's less beat up. We will find out what happens for the Denver Broncos. Really, those cuts could come in at any time. As we talked, a couple of them already came in uh, Sunday after the game. Some teams uh, they do them when they do them. It's a deadline. They have to be in by tomorrow at. 2 p.m. So we'll add the latest for you then. We'll let you know what the Broncos are doing at that point. Thanks to Dr. Rick Priya. Every Monday, pop it in for us. Uh, joining us for the checkup from the neck up on a mental health Monday. And uh, the CEO of Novik, Jacob Portinsky, for joining us too. A very interesting product they're bringing to the market in Colorado as well. That will do it for us. Danny Bailey's in the booth making it all work. Thanks to all of you for listening and interacting. We'll be back tomorrow with, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have a Denver Broncos roster, at least uh you know, one for that day. Preliminary rush. Yeah, we'll have that tomorrow. But until then, he's Sandy. I'm Sean. Keep it right here on Miley Sports. Airline dress, new cologne on. Feeling so good, change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid go good with Patron. Oh,